0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. The review is on the back of your bulletin, and it's a review of part one and part, a slight review of part one and the first part of part two that I went over last week. And just to touch on a little things here is that Paul asked them to, live a life that will be worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ or the gospel of Christ. And he he told them, I want unity in the church. And then down in number three, he wanted us to have the same spirit, the same mind, the same purpose. And those are the same three things that said up in uh, chapter one, verse 27 that went over two weeks ago those same things. And then he added the same love. And we talked about love last week just a little bit and introduced in chapter 2 because I believe that, that love is a key, one of the keys to experiencing all of the presence of God that you want and God moving through you the way he wants to move through you to help others because Jesus had compassion on others. And that compassion led to healing, to casting out evil spirits, to all those type of things, because Jesus had the presence of God, like the lady who had the issue of blood uh, and came and just touched him with his garment, and he asked who touched him, and his disciples said, well, what do you mean, who touched you? Man, Don't you see all these people that are just pushing all against you? man?" And, and he knew that somebody touched him that drew virtue from him, and that's what it was. They drew virtue from him, drew power from him, and she was healed. And he wanted to know who who was this person. And see, a lot of times people can be touching on on, on people for the wrong reason. You know, and, uh, like Jesus. You know, sometimes when you see a uh, somebody like a movie star, somebody you just want their autograph, or you just want if I can just just touch them. Just. I shook their hand. They shook my hand. They smiled at me and all like that. Uh, some people round Jesus for the, for for. Uh, the wrong reasons, but she was there to draw something from her. She needed something. And so love is the key to that. And so in down in, in verse, down in number four down here on your, your your bulletin, it told you that we we needed to not be selfish. And let's don't be selfish and the King James might be uh, uh, with uh, strife, let's don't have strife, uh, but I think it's selfishness also because selfish, selfishness will cause strife. You
1: know? uh, but anyway,
0: we don't want to look on our own our own things. It says down here, and then we gave you the example of Jesus. So let's pick it up from there. And in my first part of my message, I was going to do one thing, uh, but I think I'm going to do another one. I'm going to go to the, to the end of my message. Not the exact end, but almost the end. And let's talk there a little bit. Why is humility? I have a stop, uh, infected, not infected. I guess it's fluid in my ear, so I, I can't hear myself like I normally. So if I, so if I talk loud, it's because I think you can't hear me. Because I looked over there and I said, why? And Jenna, like that, you know. So, so I said, "Whoa." Maybe I'm talking loud here, you know. I don't know what this thing is. But adjust me if I'm talking loud, okay? Because uh, I don't want to talk loud, but I got to, you know, it's like an immense, you know, it's like I'm in a tunnel or something. But regardless, why is, or why do you think humility was so important? Because it said, with humility of mind, that's what it said in last week's message, with humil- humility of mind, he wants us to think. Not only on our own things, but also on the things of others. And it took humility of mind to do this. Humility of mind. A humbleness. Lowness of mind to do this. And so, then it gave us an example of Jesus' humility. Now, why does God want us to be humble? Well, one of the reasons, turn to Matthew chapter 11. And one of the reasons is because Jesus is humble. And he that's that's the key. That's the key to everything. You cannot love unless you are humble. You cannot love with the love of Christ unless you are humble. Unless you have lowness of mind, you cannot love like Jesus. Because he gave us the example of the Father of of, of Jesus. The Father gave us the example of Jesus last week and it says that he didn't think it uh, you know, robbery to robbery, robbery to, to uh, 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 be in the same image as God and to, he didn't want to be grasping things. He came down here. He emptied himself and came down here to live in his creation. And so he humbled himself. And, and it says in, in verse 29 of chapter 11, you, you know the chapter, uh, verse 28, when it says, Come to me, all you uh, who are weary and heavy laden. But verse twenty-nine in chapter eleven of Matthew says, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me." That's what he's said. Take my yoke upon you. You know the, the yoke of you know animals is this the thing that hell uh put on the shoulders and everything, and you he, he have have a, have like two oxen together and a yoke would yoke them together. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. Learn from me, he's saying, for I am gentle and what? Humble in heart. That's mind, will, emotion, intellect. And you will find rest for your souls. A lot of times we might have strife. We might have, uh, uh, we're really selfish because we don't have really rest in our souls. And he's saying that I am humble. Learn from me. So Jesus wants us to learn from him, and he wants us to, as he is, so are we on this earth. That's what the word says. That is one of the reasons. Do you know there there are rewards for being humble? There are rewards. Let's go to our chapter uh, in the book we're in, and that's the book of what? Philippians, uh, chapter 2. That's what we're in, chapter 2. It's four chapters. In 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 Philippians chapter two, after he said we ended in verse eight last week, and then we jumped over to the ending, and we said we we're going to come back to the middle today. It says that for this reason, what reason? The reason that he told us above, he emptied himself, he humbled himself to become obedient to the the point of death, even the death of the cross. For this reason, because he humbled himself, because he was obedient to the Father, you remember I told you that last week, that the humility actually is humbling yourself under God. The mighty hand of God. And it says here, God exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow those who are in heaven and those who are on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now just think of that now. He humbled himself, therefore God exalted himself. God, you know, exalted him. Now, there's a reward for us too. Because in if you look in First in Peter chapter five, let's go there. First Peter chapter five, uh verse five. Wanna go probably five through eight probably. It tells us that you younger men, anybody in here young? <laughs> yes, you are. You are young compared to Methuselah. And it says here, (laughs) wait a minute, come on. You're young, you're all young, you're young. Likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you, talking to all of the church here, he said, all of you, be clothed with humility toward one another. Every book of the Bible is going to be talking about that just about for God is opposed to the proud and we, that, that's in in, in, uh, in in the second chapter vainglory you know useless conceit and it says that but gives grace to the humble there is a reward for being humble. Grace comes with humility. Now, I don't know whether you know uh, that we need grace. We are here because of grace, right? It's by grace through faith that we are what? Saved. It is. And so it's very important that we realize, too, that grace is not just He gives you something that you don't deserve. Grace is an enabling. That's what grace is. He enables you to do things. If you didn't have the grace of God, you wouldn't have a gift from God. Because He enables you to do that. When it says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us is grace that will strengthen you to do all things. And we can. It's by grace we are who we are. We need to stand by grace and we're going to finish by grace. We started in grace, we're going to finish in grace, aren't we? By grace. By grace. Let's go to The first part of the message now, that was the ending of the message. Let's go to the first part of the message today, the middle part. We're in, like in Philippians, and in chapter 2, verse 12. So then, so then, what does that mean? So then, because of the humility of Jesus that God exalted him above every name, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Now, it is very important to know that he hasn't stopped talking about the reason we need to be thinking on not merely our own things, but looking out for the things of others also. That we also need to regard one another as more important than ourselves. And we said that you can only do that if you have love and if you have humility. And so then he gave us the humility of Jesus. Then he comes and tells us, okay, now, and last week I talked about the examples of Paul, examples of Timothy, and Ephroditus, uh, we talked about those examples. Now, this middle portion tells you how am I going to really develop the humility when I don't have humility like I, I, I need it? Do you know all of us? All of us care about others to a certain extent. Is that correct? We do. So we're not talking about somebody who's unsaved. We're talking about people who are saved, who they have a measure of what Paul is saying all 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 the time anyway. And don't you know that that, that, that Paul loved the Philippians? And the Philippians loved him. because we told you that too, when we introduced the chapter or the the the, the book. And 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 we have to know that they had a measure of everything that Paul is talking about. But he wanted, excuse me. He wanted his his joy. He says, "Fulfill my joy, fulfill my joy." That's how he introduced chapter two. Fulfill my joy by being. That's what he said. Okay. What he wants us to do is to fill up. Our, my glass is half full with joy. I want you to fill it up. Fill my joy up by not being selfish, by not merely thinking on your own things and looking out for your own interests, but in the interests of others, by, with humility of mind, regarding one another as more important than yourself. Now, he gives us examples of Jesus. So, so now he's telling you, this is how you develop it. You remember I told you last week that, that, that um, God never gives you a direction and doesn't give you a clue of how to fulfill it. Everything he tells you to do, he's going to give you directions on how to do it. And this book is no different. Even though we know that, that the book is talking about rejoicing and joy the, the common theme of it, and it doesn't seem like uh, he would have a reason to rejoice being that he's in, in jail, but he did, and we can find reasons to rejoice. And it says here that, but now, much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's two things there uh, I'm going to give you today. I'm going to give you two things today. Not counting what I've already given you as far as why. Does God want us to be humble? Because he is. And he wants to reward us. Those are two things anyway. But these are the two main ways of receiving humility, of working in it. Number one is work out your salvation with true trembling. Work it out. That doesn't sound theologically sound, does it? Work out your salvation. How do you work out a salvation? I thought, I thought you said... Like in Ephesians uh chapter two, he says that you are saved by grace through faith, not of works that anybody should boast. Isn't that the answer to that? Right. So what is he talking about? Is, is he is he you know going going mad or something? No. No. To work out means to complete it. Complete it. You know. Work it. An um, uh, example that came to me, and I don't know uh, much about it, but I know you all do. Some of you do. Those who have a garden. Suppose somebody gave you a farm with animals, with uh, fields and everything, but nothing had, nothing was done. It was no – you had oxen, you had plows, you had everything, but nobody had plowed anything. You know, the, 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 the ground – is you know it's not broken up and everything, it's, you know, like I said, break up your fallow ground. And the ground is fallow, fallow. So if somebody told you, okay, here it is, this is yours. Work it, work it, because everything that you have need of is in this property I've given you. You have your you have your milk because I've given you a cow. I you have you know, I've given you a cow. You have you have meat, you have sheep, you have chickens, you have... Now, you work it. Now, you have, you're going to have to take it. Nobody, going, nobody is going to milk those cows for you. You're going to have to work it. You're going to have to do it. Nobody's going to plow those fields for you. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to do it. If you want if you need money to buy something, to for something, then you sell something, uh, you know, a cow too, and, and have some money. Then you can buy some flour, whatever. But you work it. Those who have 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 um, gardens know what I'm talking about. You got to work the garden, don't you? Or do you? Anybody have a garden? Do you have to work the garden? Yeah. Yeah, if you don't work it, then you know you know weeds grew up and stuff like that. Work out your salvation. We have salvation. We were saved when God gave us the gift. We were saved. But also, we will be saved when he comes back and we get a new body and we're with him to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. He's coming back. So we're going to be saved. We're being saved. It's a, it's a, uh, we've been positioned in salvation. Is that right? We're seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus so, what is this speaking of then? Uh, I believe he's speaking of, and as, you, as I've been studying, it is, everybody says the same thing, is that we're talking about s- sanctification. Sanctification. You'll sanctify. When you were born again, you will sanctify. Now, what is sanctification? Be set apart. That's what sanctification means. You were set apart. When you were born again, you were set apart from the world to who? Christ. In other words, the scripture says that our life is hid with Christ in God. So you were set apart. But are we truly as sanctified as we're gonna we are going to we we supposed to be? No. Are we a being? Are, 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 is it true then that you are sanctified? That when a person gets born again, they are sanctified; they are set apart. So the Holy Spirit takes them through the degrees of sanctification. In other words, we need to be set apart more and more and more. And then one day we're going to be sanctified as as sanctified as we're going to get. Because we'll be with him with a new body. But it's progressive. That's what I mean by, you know, sanctification, you know, it's progressive, but salvation is too, even though we're saved. Okay. Now now think about it. Work out your salvation. Work it out. What would that develop? That's going to develop a lot of things, isn't it? It would develop a lot of things. And one of the things... It's going to develop is the character of Christ now listen to what it says here now we just finished just verse twelve verse thirteen for it is God who is at work it's the same work as it is and we're supposed to work out our salvation. is God at work in you? both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So, whoa. Okay. So with fear and trembling here, back up in verse 12, you know, I told him that we're not supposed to fear, right? He's not talking about fearing Christ, fearing the Father. He's talking about work out your salvation, with fear and trembling, with reverence, with awe. With, uh, uh, will, will. You, you have to be serious about working out your salvation. You have to be serious about your sanctification. You have to be uh, uh, responsible for your sanctification. Even though, and let's use the word salvation, you have to be responsible for your salvation. You say, what, I, I don't know how you mean Responsible for my salvation. Moving from where you entered until where you're going to exit. Because it is God in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. He said, I want you to take your part of the responsibility. Just take your part. I do my part. You do your part. Do you think that God is going to sanctify us with us doing nothing. We just lay in bed and we'll be sanctified more and more and more every day until we're just like Jesus and we don't have to do a thing. No. We have to be responsible for completing the work that God has started in us. Even though I know, you know, that you can do nothing apart from Christ. Because he says so. In the Gospel of John, he says so. You know, he says that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, right, you can ask whatever you wanted to ask, it'll be done for you. Also, it tells you that in another place in John is that you can do nothing unless you're abiding in the vine. Nothing apart from him. Nothing. So we know that we can do nothing unless God does it. But God says, but I need you. You're going to have to do your part. You're going to have to be responsible for your part because that's how it works. I'm working in you, and you're working out the things that I have you to do. You're walking by the Spirit, the Scripture says. Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. In Galatians, so that means that God, I got to, I have to walk. Matter of fact, if we look at the at, at, at this verse twelve, does it say, "Ask your neighbor to work out your salvation"? No. What's the implied subject? Who who work out their salvation? You. You. But it's God who is at work in us. Both for will and his good pleasure. And so that's the first part of what God says how you exercise humility. Because we have to practice humility. We have to practice it. The Holy Spirit I'm telling you a secret now. This is one of the secret things. And you can write it down. It's a secret. It's a secret. Is that this first part here that I just told you is that God is actually going to do the work. He's going to actually do the work. In other words, as you do, he's going to do. As you do, he's going to do. And that's good good news to me. So when I'm practicing humility, I know that God has to give me an opportunity to show humility. Because as I do, he does. Right? So I know that he's going to give me an opportunity to be selfish because that's what it was in last week's message, wasn't it? He has to give me an opportunity to be selfish in order for me to resist being selfish. And as I resist it, he's going to now come in and enable me to resist. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are those people who, who are smoke or drink, took drugs, whatever you did, uh, immoral activity. Uh, For you know, let's just use smoking before. You know how hard it is to quit smoking, don't you? And you can say, I quit smoking. But really, it's God who took it from you. But you had to do something, didn't you? If you would have kept buying those cigarettes, putting them in your mouth, inhaling and exhaling, you can say, Well, God, just take it out of my mouth. I'm gonna keep buying, I'm gonna keep puffing, but you take it out. Not gonna happen, is it? Not gonna happen. You see. So he has to he has to say, Well, okay, I'm gonna give you something to do. Do you want to quit smoking? Yes, yes, God. I'll take it away from it, take it away from it. Okay, this is what I want you to do. Don't buy no more. Oh. Don't put another one in your mouth. Oh. When you get the urge, resist it. Right? Then as you do, he comes in, he does. You see? It's the same way with being selfish. But God I want to I want to not merely look on my own things, look out for my own you know uh personal things, but I want to look out for the things of others, but it's hard, God, because you know I don't like to do that God He says, but well, do you want to do it? Yes, I want to do it, okay, then he gives you the opportunity now. You start resisting your selfishness and do something. I told my, my daughter and my wife yesterday, uh, they had a shower for one of my other daughters. And um, I said, anything else you want me to do? I, I was over at the, at, the, at the place helping them. And I said, is there anything, is there anything else you want me to do? I think we got it. I said, do not call me. Because I am not coming. Because I'm gonna be watching a game. Do not call me. Now, I told the message last week, didn't I? I I just told you that. I said, "Hey, y'all, pray for me that I won't be, you know, I, I won't be that, that, as selfish as I am, you know. And I know that y'all don't have it. It's just me, you know. And and so." I, s- I make those st- that statement, and then when it was over, with, they needed help to get all this stuff back. You know, had ladders, they had all this stuff, and so Cam said, "I don't know how we're gonna get all this stuff out because we don't have one car." Monero said, well, I- "I'll call Ray," and she- and she said, "Well, no, Daddy said don't call him. He not he not coming." Monero said, "Well." I call him, he'll come. It's, it's like like Jesus when to said, Hey, hey, woman, why are you asking me this stuff about some wine? I don't get what I'm at this wedding, but I mean, what, what? it's not my time. And she ignores him and says, Hey, sir, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Right? She ignored him. So whenever my phone rings, I look on my on, on, and I see it's her. Okay, I answered. She said, hey, I need some help to come on over to help us. Okay, I'll be there. She said, how long is it going to take you? I said, um, I'm going to throw in my shoes and I'll be there. She said, okay. Now, now, I could have said, look, I told you not to call me, right? But I probably wouldn't be standing here today. So. <laughs> <laughs> You men know what I'm talking about. You probably have for me today, you know. Uh, so, but as we do, he's going to do, but he's going to give us opportunities, isn't he? He's going to give us opportunities, and you're going to have to do this thing now. now your remember I said, okay, we're going to have a fasting and prayer week, and then uh, during that week, on Thursday night, we're going to meet, in, here in the sanctuary in the prayer room, I, I said, I think I said something like, "Wouldn't it be great if all of us was there to pray?" And everybody said, "Yeah, it would be great. It would be great." Yes, it would be great. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you know it will be helpful? It'll be helpful because the more people you have praying, the more you move the enemy out of the way. One can send 1,000 to fight, two can send 10,000 to fight. we got an enemy that we're dealing with, right? And so you're going to have some faithful people who are going to come anyway, whether you come or whether you don't come. But the point is that if you're not working, if you're not sick, you can come, right? But it's going to take some effort. It's going to take... Um, you know, you're dying to self a little bit, come on, because you might not want to. Because people say, well, I don't, just don't get any enjoyment out of praying. And then, you know, oh, I don't get enjoyment I pray at home. I, I, I still pray at home. I don't, I don't get any enjoyment out of praying. Who cares about what you get enjoyment out of? It's what God gets enjoyment out of, right? He said, it's him who gives you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. None of you, good pleasure, right? Yeah. How many times have have I asked the congregation to come to prayer on Thursday night? I, I you know, we, we announce it, but I've asked in January when we had the prayer and fasting month, and I asked for well, this week, one day, Thursday, to come together. Does that mean you don't pray at home? Yeah, you pray at home, but we're gonna come together. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put some, we're going to do some damage to the enemy, uh, you know, because you have names of people who you want to be saved. You have names of people who you want in church. And, and so we said that we're going to pray and fast for the unchurched and the unsaved, the not yet saved. We're going to fast and pray for them the whole week. But we're going to come together one time, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put the enemy to flight in their lives. Now, is that an opportunity from God or just 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 a desire of Willie Taylor? Well, have I prayed and asked God, God, should they come or should they not? No, I haven't prayed and said, should they should they not? I just know. What the scripture says is more, one is in a thousand five, two or send two thousand. Five. You can bring your children you and do whatever you want to. But I know what, what Hebrews 13 says. It says that obey your elders. As I know it says that. As those who have to give account for your souls, right? Let them do it with joy and not with grief, right? He's told us not the lord over God's heritage, right? You're not ours, you're his. So am I doing it for a selfish reason? I just wanna I wanna just see whether I got in a clout with the congregation. <laughs> no. No. I'm gonna come anyway. Yeah. It's an opportunity, isn't it? For us to not merely look on our own things, but on the things of others. So here he says that I want you to work it out. I want you to work it out. He says that it is God who gives you the will and to do of his good pleasure. As you do, I will do, says the Lord. Verse 14. Do all things without grumbling and disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Now, now, Paul calls this generation that he was in at that time crooked and perverse. Think it's righteous and great now? No. It's still the same. Crooked and perverse. The world is. But, It says, among whom you appear as lights, just like at night, if it's a clear night, you can see the stars, you see the moon. You appear as lights in this world. He's saying the same thing he said in chapter 1, verse 27, let your conduct be worthy of. Of the gospel of Christ. See, because Paul is telling them that because he is passionate about Christ. He's passionate about the proclamation of the gospel. The good news about Christ. He's passionate about it. And we saw that in, in, in chapter 1 when we read it. He was passionate about that, those two things. And he was trying to get them to be passionate about those two things. And he says that love is a key, but you can't walk in love if you're gonna if you don't have humility. So you got to practice humility. Here's a way to practice humility: you're gonna have to work out your salvation with trembling, and you're gonna have to really realize that it's God who's at work in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And, and I don't want you to be uh, uh, grumbling and, and disputing about. The things that I asked you to do and about the things that's going to come up, please don't go home or get in your car and start grumbling. Oh, now I'm going to have to come to prayer on Thursday night because if I don't come to prayer, people going to know I didn't come and they're going to know I'm selfish. Don't be grumbling and complaining in the spirit about the things about what the Holy Spirit asked you to do because we're supposed to be shining as lights in a dark world, aren't we? Then it tells us number two. That was number one. Number two, what was number one? That we are supposed to work out our salvation with trim, trim, trim trembling. That was number one. Number two is that we're supposed to, number, verse 16, holding fast the word of life. The word of life is the word that life means, though it's, it's you're holding fast. The words of eternal life. That's what you're holding fast. You're holding fast to that so that in the day of Christ, Paul is saying, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. So he wanted to hold fast to the word. Now, don't you realize that we got to do two things. we got to work out our salvation with trembling and fear, fear and trembling, and also knowing that that I got to be serious about this thing because it's God is working me, both the will and do His good pleasure. And the next thing is I'm gonna have to hold fast. I'm gonna have to hold, cling to this word. I'm gonna have to cling to it because it's the word of life. When 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 Jesus said, Hey hey, you gonna go leave me too? Are you gonna leave me too? Because He said gonna, you gotta eat my flesh and drink my blood, and they said, that's a hard saying, man. And everybody left Him except the twelve. He said, Are you gonna leave me too? Hey, where else am I going to go? You have the words of life right and so that's that's what we got to know i'm going to hold fast to the words of life and i'm going i'm going to work out my sanctification i'm going to work it out every opportunity to come i'm going to take that opportunity to put this flesh to death because i'm I'm going to work out what the Holy Spirit is trying to work in me is the love of christ i'm going i'm going to be determined. I'm going to love you just like Christ loved you. You're supposed to be determined that you're going to love each other just like Christ loved each other. Right? I mean, Christ loved you, didn't he? Yeah, he loved loved the Father, didn't he? How do you know he loved the Father? Because he always did that which pleases the Father. And he wants us to do the same thing. He wants to always do that which pleases the Father and the Son, him and he says that i want you to do this by loving one another that's all i want you to do love one another how do i love one another stop being selfish start thinking on on on, on things about what they want to want to do just, not just on what things you want to do you know i want you to look out for them their welfare not just your welfare i want you to start trying to please other other people and not just trying to please yourself Now, we're not men-pleasers now, okay? We are God-pleasers. But anything that lines up with His word is okay. But some things that you have choices of line up with the word, doesn't it? You can say, does God want you to have rest? Huh? Or does he want you to stay up all night, every night, never go to bed? All day, every day. I know some people work there as so you know, uh you know step all day, all night, twenty-four seven, all the time. Does he want you to do that? No, he wants you to get rest. How do you know he wants you to get rest? Because he says so, right? He gave he gave us he gave us a rest. Didn't he? Yeah. He rests from his work. He said, I want you to rest. And I asked you to come to prayer. You could say, now, which one is right to do, rest or pray? <laughs> you said, well, oh, God, I found in the Bible that God said rest. I need rest. I'm going to rest. He can't say nothing about that because God said rest, right? See, we can find ways to do things, but you know in your heart, see, God knows our motives, don't it? He knows that you don't need no rest. You just want to watch the game. Yeah. There's a game coming on, on on the day. 5, 25, 30, something like that. Carolina is playing Kentucky in basketball, and I want to see it. But the only thing is, the only thing is that I've scheduled a meeting at 4. Minerva said, oh, you're not going to watch no game today. I <laughs> feel, oh, my goodness, I'm not going to watch no game. It's okay. Now, I could have scheduled, well, hey, let's meet 8 o'clock. That's after the game goes. But see, I wouldn't be thinking of Minerva because she'd go to bed at 8.30. So he said, well, it's all right. She can She can sacrifice one day, right? Meeting? No, that would be selfish, wouldn't it? Right. Okay. Well, I think you get the picture, don't you? Chapter two, chapter one. Flipping is such a great book. When I was looking at, when, when I, I said, Oh my goodness gracious, God, you're stepping all over my feet, all, over, messing up my shoes. I got to shine them again because you done stepped on them. My goodness gracious. But you're telling me how I need to do it. Let's work on it together. Let's work on it together. Okay? Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434 847 Four seven nine six. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.